Okay, I've started recording anyway. Okay. La 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 la. Warm it up. Oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> Did you hear that vibrato? <laughs> Thank you. Literally, <laughs> were like la. <laughs> that was fucking incredible. Oh my god. Kalise, Kalise, is that you? you? <laughs> I'm so impressed with you. Oh, thank you. You're listening to Just A Girl Podcast, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything music industry and intersectional feminism related. I'm Natalie. And I'm Katie. And this is episode 19. What have you been listening to this week? I have been listening non-stop to Lizzie Farrell after last week's mm-hmm. episode. Good choice. I just can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. I've been listening to, obviously, Hayley Williams' new album. Of course. Flowers for Vases. Vases? Vases. <laughs> Vases. Um, vases. It's just the most beautiful piece of art. Mm. What are your thoughts on it? I do agree, it is beautiful, but I've given it about five tries now and it's still not my vibe. No! But I, I'm determined to make it my vibe, so... I think you'll get there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It's... Oh, God, it's amazing. And I've been listening to Laura Marling's 2020 album, Song for Our Daughter, which, Aww. again, is just, like, really pretty vibes. Nice. What about vibe, you? Vibe, vibe, I have been listening to an artist called Easy Life, mm-hmm. um, who are just sort of another kind of chilled, vibey, summery artist. Oh, nice. I've been listening to an artist called King princess specifically the song pussy is god i think that is just an anthem of a generation i agree and oh just a classic falls i saw you listening to falls today actually yeah Yeah. there you go (laughs) you don't have my number (laughs) (laughs) i don't like falls sorry 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 sorry, no 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 no. you're allowed to have your own opinions katie Okay, so so what's on the agenda for this week? So this week we have spoken to the wonderful Sophie Eggleton, um, who some of you might know as like the music journalist, some of you might know as the influencer on Instagram and YouTube. We speak to her about all kinds of things really, being an introvert and being in such a social job, and about chronic illness, which is not something that we've covered on the pod so far, but I think is always crucial to talk about in any industry really. Yes, I agree. So without further ado, here is Sophie Eggleton. (laughs) Did you like that? Yeah, I did. I thought you were going to go, here we go, and I was ready to do this action. Sophie, of course, online, of course. Do you want to just say hey and introduce yourself, what you do, etc.? Oh God, you see, that sounds like a simple request, but this is like the dreaded question for me. What do you do? Um, I could not say what you do in one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) There is so much. (laughs) I I can't really say it in any coherent way whatsoever, so bear with me. Um, I do... I I do lots of different things online. Um, So I have a blog, I do a podcast, I do kind of Instagram-y type things, uh, do a bit of styling, uh, a bit of consulting, a bit of journalism. Yeah, I I think that's enough, isn't it? The list (laughs) is truly endless. (laughs) But I'm very much one of those jack-of-all-trades and master of none. I haven't nailed any of them yet. (laughs) So they're all a work in progress. It's so impressive, though. It's so varied. You could say that, or you could say she's unfocused. She doesn't know what she's doing with her life. No, no. She's all over the place. (laughs) All all humans are, are works in progress as well. We're all fine. Very true. So um, I guess I heard or sort of discovered you as a person during your music journalism days. Um, So I'd be quite interested to know how you got into that. By complete and utter accident, to be honest. If you told me when I was younger that I would end up doing that, I would have said you were, you know, drinking something very stiff and heavy because it is so removed from the person I am because I'm someone at school I suffered with such bad stage fright 
that I found doing my flute performances in front of, you know, the class, like terrifying. And I'd have the shaky knees, I'd sweat. I just look pretty revolting. And um, it was so just, you know, doing something that involves, you know, speaking in front of people and to people and putting it out on a public platform is very removed from what seems a natural progression for me. But I was doing work after uni, you know, different work experience, different internships, just trying lots of different things within the creative world. And then I became quite ill and I had to leave my dream job at Alexander McQueen and just stay at home for months on end. And I just thought, I still want to be stimulated. I still want to kind of tap into my passions and feel like I have a purpose. So what can I do from the sofa? And I just started, you know, writing to online magazines and saying, can I write for you? And back then, you didn't get paid for any of this. Everything was just Mm -hmm. voluntary and um, for free. But it, it kept me busy. And then that was the time when YouTube wasn't a big thing. There weren't influencers or anything like that. But the the digital age was starting to come in and more and more content was becoming, you know, video format. Yeah. So one of the music publications I was writing for was like, I'm going to start doing video interviews. Are you up for it? And I was like, do I have a choice? Um, <laughs> okay, let, let, let's um, give it a go. And I did it and it just kind of kept going from there and it just continued whether I wanted to or not. It just kind of kept, you just get some kind of momentum, don't you? And then you just find yourself doing all sorts of weird things you you didn't plan on doing. It's practice makes perfect, isn't it? You might still get nervous, but at least you sort of know how to handle the emotions you feel when you are doing it. Yeah, I definitely think it's really important for me anyway to try and do it regularly because I find as soon as I get a gap where I haven't done it for months, I feel like I go right back to the start in terms of the nerves. Um, I think if, you, if you've if got some momentum with it and you get into a groove with it and it feels a bit more manageable in terms of your nerves, but as soon as you take a break from it, I don't know, I think they just build up again, for me at least. Oh no, I completely agree. Mm. So you've you've brought, well, you've mentioned so many topics there, Sophie, that we are really excited to ask you about during this interview. Um, But I'm going to start with our question that we ask everybody, um, which is what are you listening to at the moment? What have you got on repeat? Okay, I'll try and not go go on for too long with this. (laughs) Top three. The first one is Loathe, um, The Things They Believe. Um, And Loathe are a great band anyway. But this this album is such a surprise and it veers quite a way away from what we expect from them. But Mm. it's beautiful in its own way. It's kind of ambient, electronic, kind of ethereal, dreamy. Um, I saw in one review they described it as woozy and I thought that was a really good way of describing it. And one of their songs actually is called the year everything and nothing happened and I think that sums up last year so well Mm, that just gave me goosebumps (laughs) I'm glad to deliver (laughs) on behalf of Loathe it is such a um, it is such a boundary breaking album though for metal yeah because yeah no no one is doing that they are so they're waving the flag I feel for modern day British metal yeah like the ability to be progressive within quite a restrictive genre yeah yeah absolutely yeah the confidence to do something like that at the the stage in their career and not feel confined about what the rules are that just makes me think they're going to be around for a long time because a lot of the bands that we love that have stood the test of time are the ones that aren't scared to take the risks so that makes me even more excited about them which is real can't wait um who else okay what else what else uh lonely the brave Oh yes, love them. I've been checking out their latest album. Obviously they've got um, a new, well, I say new singer. They've got a different singer than the last time I saw them live and that's Jack Bennett. But the particular song is The Harrow and it literally makes my heart ache. I I just, I literally get that lump in my throat when I hear it. It's just, Mm. they have that power anyway, don't they, that band? They're really... They seem to be doing super well at the moment, Lonely the Brave. I mm. keep hearing loads of people talking about them, which is nice because yeah. they deserve it. They really do. And I actually, on, on one of the songs, I can really hear kind of architect's instrumentation and a bit of Devil Sold a Soul. It's It's got that 
real emotional kind of metal instrumentation on it mm. but although Which they're not quite, metal yeah yeah exactly like they're quite it's quite different considering they were I guess I guess I would have considered them pop rock almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but there's definitely I could definitely hear a bit of that in there um and then there's also spirit box um constants oh, i've been listening. <laughs> have them. you have you mentioned these loads of times on the pod already Am I yeah just they're going... like a classic no no, yeah. no 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 um i mean loathe and spirit box are like people we mention all the time just yeah. because like um we're quite good friends with faisal and obviously uh, courtney is just such a queen so um, yeah yeah great choices and then i'm also just listening to like film scores i'm obsessed with film scores so I've always got them going. Do you have a favourite film school slash soundtrack? That is so hard. I really like... Natalie's is Drive. <laughs> Drive's a good one. That is a very good one. It is. It is Drive. It is just... It's a bit of a basic answer, but it is phenomenal. But basic because it's really good. That's like yeah, the cliches. Totally. They're cliches for a reason. Yes, and that is good. You exactly. can't argue with that. Um, I think mine is... Mm, atonement, maybe. Ooh, um, James McAvoy. Yeah. Oh, hello. I know, right? Oh, he's I was really doing the bake off. Say, is he? Yes. I hate the bake off, but I love James McAvoy, so I will watch it for oh, Max. You're going to be torn on that evening, aren't you? What to do? <laughs> do I be cool or horny? <laughs> oh God! I, I want to message you on that night. Would it be like inappropriate if I said, "Did you pick horny?" Oh, please do. That would really make my evening if you did that. <laughs> So what are yours, apart from Drive, what else? Katie, did you have one? Um, I really like um, the Booksmart soundtrack. Oh yeah, that's a good one as well. Uh, and another basic one, but Guardians of the Galaxy is just True. fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings score. Mm. Yes, I could lovely. go on. I'll Does stop. it count Stranger Things? Does that another basic answer, but... Great soundtrack, yeah. though. Yeah. 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 All mm, valid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks, <laughs> You don't need my validation, do you? <laughs> we really do. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so if we go back to what you mentioned about how you sort of delved into a world where that didn't seem natural to you yeah um because of your introverted ways mm. how do you how do you find that because me and katie are those kind of people we love we do love to chat we love hanging out with people but after a certain amount of hours we all just like okay it's bedtime now it'll be like 7 p.m yeah. but we'll be like okay time to go to bed <laughs> so <laughs> how do you familiar. how do you deal with it well actually i did a an episode on the whole introvert extrovert thing and I think I've worked that that I'm an omnivert which is someone who can oh, be yeah. either at different times but I think I am closer to the introvert side I'm the same as you I get so exhausted if I have mm. too many interactions with other humans which sounds really lame but it it really tires me out so for instance at festivals I'm gonna sound so lame guys but you know, when everyone's partying after the work's done and after, you know, the headliners played and they're, you know, dancing in the guest area, I nip off home back to the hotel or the B&B and just go <laughs> to bed. That would be my dream. Yeah, there is no judgment here. I like Sometimes I don't even watch the headliner because I'm like, I really just want to go to sleep now. <laughs> like my back hurts, my legs hurt. I know like I've paid a ticket to see the headliner, but <laughs> I care about the bed more. Sophie, have you read a book called... Um, Quiet by Susan McCain. Nice. No, it sounds like I need to. What's that? Yeah. About? So um, my boss actually lent it to me, and I've now given it to Natalie. But because it's about the power of introverts in a world that won't be quiet, basically. And I learnt that I'm also an omnivert from from the book. Mm. Um, but a lot of it is like what you were saying about where you get your energy from. So some people get their energy from being with people and some people have to like recharge yeah. when they're on. And obviously we'll come on to a bit more about your energy levels, I guess, later, <laughs> Sophie, because it's a bit off. different with you. Um, but yeah, it's, we definitely recommend that oh, book. Thank you. Thank you for no the recommendation. have any tips for yeah just tips or sort of like methods um to sort of manage the social interaction that happens a day especially as a journalist as well where you are constantly interviewing bands but also listening and listening is you know you have to be really active in that even though you're just kind of sitting essentially it does require a lot of brain power it's so true because when you're interviewing you might have all these questions in your mind that you think I'm going to ask that but usually the conversation goes off in different directions and you can't just stick to the questions you have in your head you almost have to just go with the flow and make sure you're listening and respond to what 
they're saying at that moment. So you really do have to concentrate the whole way through. You can't just drift off and think about, you know, mm. what stall you're going to get lunch from. You've got to really <laughs> focus and it, it can be, like you say, quite taxing. But for me, if I'm there only doing a few interviews but there to generally enjoy a festival, I make sure that I just go with maybe one person that I know is quite understanding of mm. my limitations and what I'm capable of and, you know, whether I need to take a rest or go to the toilet. Someone that's not going to make me feel guilty about, mm. you know, doing it a bit low key or not doing it like, not going mad basically. Not yeah. yeah, being yeah. a bit <laughs> being a bit dull probably, but, you know, just someone that's got kind of a, a low key chilled approach to a festival. Because if I was there with a big gang, I don't want to detract from their fun or be the lame one in the group or you know just just be a, a vibe killer I'd rather yeah. just be with someone that's kind of like-minded we just have a nice chilled day and see as many bands that we feel we can without any pressure so that's what I, I try and do especially as an introvert as well you are constantly reflecting and so if you go with a big group and you're thinking oh you know guys I'm just gonna head back or whatever you are thinking oh no have I disappointed them yeah. are they gonna think this about me blah 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 like there's also that mentally taxing thing as well and it's god it's just exhausting being it an introvert <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I'm glad you said that because I am a terrible overthinker. I will literally think, overthink about every single interaction I have every single day. Right. I'll, I'll overthink this <laughs> podcast later. When I go to bed, oh, I think no. I answered that dreadfully or did I interrupt them too many times? You know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we are the interrupters. We're just So what you were saying about like being an overthinker and worrying about like leaving early or if you're like if your mind wanders or stuff like that do you ever worry that people not people that you're close with but maybe people that you interview or network with might perceive you to be rude because of kind of just being introverted oh definitely I think this has been a huge concern over the years actually because there are some days where I can kind of do the fake it to you make it thing and put on mm. the confidence clothes, I guess, and be presenter soap. But then <laughs> other days I'm, I'm cowering in the corner, like with my head down, with my head up, just, you know, not feeling up to it. And it's, it's quite hard to push through sometimes. But I'd like to think on the whole, people can tell after a few minutes that you're not being rude that you might you might be just you know struggling a bit that day or a bit shy but yeah there have been a few occasions where my awkwardness has shone through like a beacon of <laughs> embarrassment and cringe just little things like at download last year I was interviewing um simple creatures so I had Mark Hoppus and Alex Gaskarth coming over next and I hadn't Jesus. had a gap in interviews so I hadn't really had time to collect my thoughts or check my notes that they were straight down coming over to me and I was in professional mode because I was working for a new client in download and I wanted to be you know on it and look like I was there to do a job and I've interviewed Alex dozens of times who know each other fairly well and he's a genuinely lovely person and I went in with a very formal handshake <laughs> as he came over with like like his arms out to give me a hug and he must have been like um okay then you found that endearing though well you've got to pray and hope haven't you <laughs> I don't yeah. know I think I think the nature of overthinking often leads to like the connotations being negative but I feel yeah. like a lot of things that you overthink other people would just find endearing yeah like, I used to have terrible anxiety and it's the same as you like I'd worry that people just thought I was like rude but then now I think oh maybe it was just kind of cute <laughs> weird I was <laughs> I know let's pray for that but I, I feel comforted knowing that you're the same but I think you know music industries I think a lot of us are kind of socially awkward, mm. suffer with, you know, Misfits. various things. Yeah, we are. And I think we tend to be quite geeky because we are passionate people. So I try and remind myself that probably lots of people in the press tent and lots of bands that I'm interviewing are just as awkward as I am. And we're all just humans trying to get by and tr trying to do our best. And hopefully they won't judge me negatively if I'm a bit of a dork or 
you know. For sure. Which I'm just effortlessly mortifying and, you know, <laughs> I'm just never going to be effortless. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good I could get some merch done, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh, what a way with words. Oh. Amazing. Um, I do have a quick question that I did not write in this, but yeah. it was, how was it interviewing Mark Hoppus? Have you interviewed him before? I've interviewed him very briefly on uh, a red carpet at the Kerrang Awards, which doesn't really count because it's just, you know, grab them and see what comes out of your mouth kind of scenario. But um, yeah, he was very nice. You can tell that he's someone that's done a lot of interviews and... It's, it's probably a bit tiresome for him, but he was still very professional, very nice, good sense of humour. But yeah, I can imagine it's probably like, oh, not another one. Um, but I think him and Alex kind of keep the energy up together. Like good dynamic. They, they're a bit of a team. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, that was a bit scary actually because you know I'm someone that grew up on mm, Blink. Definitely. So that's one you really want to do well on. Yeah. And the the situation just wasn't conducive to it being like one of my best interviews. It was mediocre <laughs> to be honest. But, you know, you're in a really noisy press tent. You've got people walking in front of the camera. You got people like trying to get your attention while you're doing the interview. You've got the tour manager of the next band calling you on the phone saying, where are you? The band's here while you're trying to have the chat. So there's all these different things happening and you're trying to, you know, look into Mark Hobbs's eyes and look like you're taking in what he's saying. And it's just like, (laughs) it's just like, it's tricky, but hopefully there were some sentences that worked in there somewhere. (laughs) Um, you sort of mentioned, I guess, yeah, you kind of um, mentioned it a little bit about how people who are in music probably also are, you know, either like quite introverted or awkward. Yeah. What is it, I guess, what's it like to interview other introverted musicians? Do you find it quite difficult because if they are quiet, they are probably not as likely to open up? Yeah, it's tricky. There's some that once they trust you and they know what you're about, they kind of thaw I guess and ease into the conversation but it depends why they're being shy or appearing to be introverted because some people just have you know walls up perhaps because they've been screwed over by journalists before you know the the ones trying to get that that sound bite that makes them look bad or mm, yeah. you know create some controversy so there's some that you need to kind of break down the walls with and there's some that are just you know slightly uncomfortable or shy and I think those ones are probably easier because I think if you're gentle and you just act like a, you know, like a human with them and make it more of a a mutual conversation rather than an interrogation, I think it it can relax them a bit more. But I do feel for people that, you know, because just because you want to make music, it doesn't mean that you want to be famous Mm. or that you're comfortable with everything that comes with that. So I am sympathetic to those that don't really enjoy the press side of it because I completely understand why they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. there's such a um, stigma, isn't there, of like, oh, they asked for it yeah. kind of thing when they did, just yeah. wanted to make music. Yeah. <laughs> Especially singers as well. They're quite typically emotional if they can write these songs that have so much mean or these lyrics that have so much meaning. So to then sort of like try and share that mm. in a, a space that Terrible. isn't sort of like, you know, the paper or, you know, however they write their songs is quite... um must be yeah it must be really hard for them actually yeah and imagine like a stranger then asking to dissect this song via an interview that is something that was really personal to you as well and about something that probably quite private and you have to just tell everyone about it Mm. It, it's quite weird isn't it when you think about it when they've you know they might be talking about their demons or something really traumatic that's happened to them and suddenly it's out there for the whole world to form an opinion on and they're expected to have to talk about it in promo for weeks on end it's it's a lot it's probably quite draining definitely yeah have you ever felt disadvantaged due to your introversion or do you think that you could use it to your advantage and it makes you like a better listener or Mm. both yeah that I think a bit of both because I think one of the biggest lessons and it's not a lesson I'm particularly happy to have taken but it is (laughs) a big lesson is that you know networking is so important in the music industry and if 
for some reason you find that difficult, whether it's, you know, you don't have the money to go to London and go to events and stay after parties or whether, you know, mobility issues or whatever it is, or just because you are introverted, you do, you are at a disadvantage in terms of opportunities sometimes, because, you know, if you don't know those people that are going to champion you in the meetings or put you forward for jobs or really want to work with you, you, you have to fight a hell of a lot harder. Um, and I found that a, a, a really big thing because I'm not someone that I haven't pushed myself forward as much as I probably should have. I, I always thought if you work hard and you put your head down and just get on with it, you know, that's yeah. enough. But I've learned it, it's not actually always enough. It's definitely important to do that as well. But, you know, if you have a foot in the door or you know the right people or if you're in the club, it makes such a difference. And if, you know, like me, if you live in Surrey and you're not someone that stays at the after parties or does all the mingling, while you've got lots of nice acquaintances and friends, you don't have those super, super strong bonds that would mean that you've got lots of people, you know, pushing you forward in the industry and really wanting you to win. And do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. No, completely. And I think, especially as a woman as well, is, I don't know if you ever, or you've heard this fact, which is men, if they see a job listing and they have only got the skills for like 50% of the requirements, they will still apply for Mm -hmm. that job. But women... all men. Or all men. Is it all men? No, No, not all men. Not all men. But women will, they won't apply unless they think they meet everything on the um, job requirements. So there's that pressure as well. It's that I think typically, um, obviously very typically, women don't have as much confidence as men do. We suffer from imposter syndrome a little bit more as well. Oh my God, yeah. For sure. I'm speaking on behalf of all women. (laughs) (laughs) We know what they all think. But I think it's tricky because I also wanted to make a point that you can be true to yourself and stay that kind of more low-key introverted person and still explore your passions and your interests and you don't have to be someone you're not and I really wanted to prove that but it, it is difficult because there's been various times where people are like I just need you to be a bit louder, a be a be a bit more enthusiastic, a bit more wackier when I'm presenting, and I'm like I get that that that's a style of presenting, but it's not really not what vibe. I'm about. Yeah, for sure. No, and I don't really see myself as a presenter. I see myself as an interviewer. I don't want to be the focus. Mm. I don't want any of the attention. I just want to be the vehicle to put the attention on the artist and the vehicle to encourage the conversation. I don't want particularly people to look at me on the video. Look at the artist, please. <laughs> Turn on not here. Yeah. It's absolutely fine. I think that's why, I think that is, I know a lot of people complain about social media and how negative it is, but I think for introverts, it's kind of a blessing because... I have ne- I've definitely networked that way before a lot of the, you know a lot of friends yeah. and people that I see at festivals that kind of thing is all from social media and that definitely I guess assists with my introverted side because I wouldn't I don't think I'd say hi otherwise I'd be like oh too scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is true actually, isn't it? Because it kind of eases you into that new connection, yeah. doesn't it? If you've you've had a few comments exchanged on on Instagram or you've spoken in the DMs and then you feel like you've got that I don't know, it's like a big sign that says you can come over and talk to this person. Mm. They're not going to shun you or say, what are you doing coming up and talking to me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is what your head says is yeah, going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, there are some good things about social media. Yeah, definitely. And it's also great for promoting things like your podcast. <laughs> that I'm really oh, keen thank to talk you. about. So, obviously... Oh, absolute pro. <laughs> so, please pause, repeat. Tell us about it. Obviously, it's a podcast that discusses mental health and often explores it with music too. What would you say Mm. the biggest issues that musicians or the music industry bods have to deal with in today's climate? I mean, where do you start? If we're talking about coming out of the pandemic, obviously, I think a lot of bands are going to struggle in terms of, I don't know, financially, aren't they? They're going to be, because a lot of people get their most of their finances from touring and merch sales so that will have dwindled probably over the last year so maybe then they're going to have to make cutbacks moving forward even when they do come back some of them will have had to take on other careers to keep them going so then they might be having to juggle things like that 
a big thing is I, a few years ago, I went to speak to a lot of the big companies like management agencies and things like that about mental health and about problems that I was seeing in the industry. And some of them were great, really receptive and clearly really cared about the bands and the people that work in the music industry. But there were a number that also had the attitude we spoke about earlier, which was, if you can't handle it, you shouldn't be in the industry. And I think that's a big attitude that is still very prevalent. And I think I just I just don't agree with it, really. I just think there needs to be more support rather than going just, you know, abandon your passions and your dreams and the thing that you're really good at. That's a decision an artist or the person should make if they feel that maybe it, it doesn't suit them or isn't the right fit for them. But it's not for someone else to say. Instead, they should be offering solutions, ways, ways to help them, ways to support them. And I mean, I could, I'm sorry, I could go on about this for hours. Oh God, don't apologise. It's it's so important to acknowledge that it's not like the person's problem. It's probably, not the industry's problem, but the lack of kind of support for stuff like this. There's a better way of doing it. Yeah, there there needs to be a huge rejig um, change of culture. You know, it's it's not a simple fix. There's so many issues that are ingrained and that need to be unlearned and it's going to involve diversifying teams having more women on staff in higher up positions more people of color more black people more disabled people um there's got to be, the culture's got to change in that i think every business needs to think about having some schemes in place that whether they have so many mental health first aiders on the team or allocated people that are there if anyone has any problems, whether it's to do with assault or mental health, whatever it is. Um, I know some bands that have therapists that join them for their tours, which is great, but those people that I know that do that are very high up, big, successful bands. What about the smaller bands? We've got to come up with an, you know, a feasible alternative for them you know people that they can access when they're struggling even if they're not on the tour with them you know easy access to you know a therapist on zoom perhaps you know there's loads of things um i need to put together a pdf about it (laughs) um, it's it's just uh yeah so i guess this is probably the thing i'm most passionate about and Although it's not something that the podcast is directly about, that there is a loose link in that I talk about my experiences of the music industry here and there on the podcast, and we are talking about issues that do affect musicians and people in the music industry. But I'd love to do some kind of focus project on actually actively, you know, doing something within the music industry in in regards to mental health. This year, I I trained to be an instructor for first aid for mental health. And I would love to take that to management and agencies and PR companies and just try and train as many people up as possible, really. That's so nice. I think you're absolutely spot on that mental health is obviously, you know, the pandemic is sort of, you know, not helping that at all. But yeah, mental health does seem to be one of the biggest problems that musicians face, especially because we mentioned like, you know, singers, for example, them being so emotional isn't the right word, but I guess analytical. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. so that on top of general mental health and on top of a pandemic and, you know, all these struggles that people are going to face because of the situation. Yeah, exactly. And also just the abrupt change. They've been like, obviously after tour, they always have the post-tour blues, don't they? because of that adjustment period but now they've had so much time at home and then suddenly they might have to have a complete change of lifestyle again and if they're vulnerable to particular things whether it be you know alcohol or drugs which are going to be potentially more prevalent in a tour environment then we're going to see a lot of people struggling and I think in general actually after the pandemic I think everyone's going to be wanting to go to every party Mm -hmm. every gig every festival and I think you know we're going to see a lot of people pushing themselves a bit too hard in regards to partying and indulging in things Mm. and I think we're going to have a big hangover from all that um mental health hangover I mean definitely I think yeah people are still going to have to of course there's sort of time to make up the past two years that we've missed out on but people will still need to sort of know their own boundary I think when it comes to that kind of thing we'll be fine because we don't like to go <laughs> yeah, to our exactly. 
exactly. parties or anything anyway we'll be back I'll in bed again <laughs> not much has changed um so obviously yeah it sounds like mental health is something you've researched a lot of especially in music do you have any advice for musicians or sort of anybody in the industry right now for dealing with their mental health currently mm, i think well once you're back in your work environment, or even if you're still working over Zoom, I think we're we're at a point now where you really need to ask for what you need because some businesses aren't being forthright and, you know, taking initiative and putting in the systems themselves. But I think if you see, you know, an opportunity or something that could be incorporated into your workplace that would be beneficial to you or your workmates, you need to ask for it. And I think businesses these days, they are more aware of how negative talk online and perception of their brand and that sort of thing can impact them. So even if they're not doing it for the right reasons, from a business point of view, it would benefit them to be seen to be caring about their employees and the culture Mm. within their businesses. So I feel like they're going to be more receptive to, to those kinds of suggestions now, which is a good thing. So yeah, asking for what you need. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been important to me is even though I wanted to do this work, I said to myself that getting too involved in the scene wasn't going to be beneficial to me. So I made the decision that I wouldn't immerse myself too much in the social side of it because you know, I'm someone that likes movies on the sofa and going for walks. I don't need to be around the drama and the gossip. And, you know, there are some toxic elements to the music industry. And I just, I just didn't see any benefit of me being around them after a certain point. And I just took a step back from that and thought, I'll do the work, keep working, doing what I enjoy, but step back from the noise that surrounds it. And I think it's so hard because you'll have people going, come out, come Mm. out, or making you feel like you should do certain things. But you've always, always got to take that moment you know, that pause and do some, I don't want to sound like a raging hippie, but you know, the self-reflection thing, like you, you got to do that on the regular because you do get caught up and with the wrong people or the wrong crowd or with the wrong things. And it's just not worth it. Yeah, You know, yeah. just keep, keep focus and do remember what you're my friend Kelly always says this and again sounds so cheesy but it's know your why like why you're doing something and always come back to that I love that I just open mouth gasped at Natalie when you said that <laughs> and I pointed at Katie like Katie says that all the time <laughs> I think as well what you were saying about like there's so many different societal pressures there's there's one group of people that want you to go out and party and YOLO yeah. and all of that and then there's like the self-care Twitter who are like like know your wife for example say no have a do a face mask and all of that and I think there's so many different pressures isn't there from different groups it's hard to know Mm. what you actually want sometimes but I Mm. guess with you Sophie there's probably different factors that affect kind of what you should and shouldn't do I don't know whether that's the right wording but so you suffer with yeah EDS right so could are you like comfortable explaining this briefly to people who might not have heard about this Sure. So it's a connective tissue disorder. I won't go too much into the jargon, but it can impact pretty much every organ and part of your body because obviously tissue and collagen supports your your muscles, um, you know, your insides or your joints. So things can dislocate, things can prolapse, things can leak, you know, all sorts of things can happen. And you quite often, if you have EDS, you have some comorbidities as well. So for me, it's pot and it looks like I've got MCAS as well. So POTS means that I'm prone to fainting and um, a high heart rate and MCAS means that I create too much. This is very loosely described, but it's like my histamine is overreactive. So I have lots of allergic reactions to things. So yeah, there's a lot of it. It's it's, um, quite complex. Let's just say that. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess with, um, I was watching one of your YouTube videos about about this earlier and I guess one Mm. of the questions we wanted to ask about was kind of what it's like having an invisible illness I guess like what are the Mm. what are the impacts of it not necessarily being visible to other people I think what's interesting about that that label of invisible is that when you know about these illnesses they're they're not really that invisible Mm. and I think it's mainly they're invisible due to lack of 
awareness, education, and sometimes effort on people's part. You know, I think if you know someone that's got one of these invisible illnesses, I think if you just did a bit of research about it, you quickly be able to spot, you know, the symptoms and the signs that they've got this going on. Um, but you're right, it does it does create a barrier because I think if people see you being quite active and looking quite well, it's hard for them to compute that you're also potentially struggling or that you can't do certain things. So sometimes that's that can be a bit of a battle because they'll be like, well, I saw you out like on your Instagram on the weekend. How come you can't do this now? And I'm like, well, most chronic illnesses or a lot of them are very, you know, changeable and up and down. And you can you can be quite OK one day, but then the next week be bed bound. So and actually, if I have been out and busy one day, that probably increases the chance that <clears> I am <throat> going to have some repercussions and be in bed. So, yeah, it, it's tricky. Mm. And obviously, we sort of mentioned before about kind of in whatever job you're in, asking for the support that you need and like that kind of yeah. thing. Did you feel like you ever got that in? Well, firstly, did you ever work for sort of a, a corporation? Um, and do you feel like you got the support for your illness? Well, I've worked within kind of big, big organisations, but on kind of a, a, a brief or ad hoc basis. And it's been quite mixed, to be honest. And it seems dependent on how inconvenient you are at the time. If you are ill, you know, during a, a pretty stressful period for the company, then you do end up feeling a bit like a burden sometimes or like you're adding to their stress, which is a not nice thing to f to feel like. And then some, there'd be a few things, because I think one of the main things when you have fatigue issues or chronic illness is that you're always weighing up the pros and cons of every single thing. So you're, you're weighing up whether it's going to be worth it for the repercussions you're going to have. And, you know, some people be like, oh, you should definitely do that. It'd be great for exposure. It'd be great experience or look great on your Instagram yeah. or whatever it is. And you'll be like, I understand what you're saying, but if I'm going to lose money by traveling to London to do it, I'm going to spend three hours for a 20 minute thing and I'm going to be ill for the next three days because of it. it. It isn't worth it to me, even though you think it is. So you end up having these awkward conversations that oh, I hate awkward conversations. <laughs> I hate conflict of any kind. So for me, oh, it's horrendous, but you've also got to I, I think over the last few years, I've learned that you really have to speak up for yourself on these things because you're the only one that's going to have to deal with what comes from, you know, appeasing someone else and not listening to your body and not listening to your needs. So I, I'm really trying to get better at that. But it all comes from a place of you need to stop caring what everyone thinks about you. And that's one of the hardest things in the world, isn't it, to, to get to that point. But I think I need to... And we need to not let that be a barrier to us looking after ourselves and also doing what we want to do in life. Yeah, totally. You mentioned earlier, like, being in a workplace and feeling like a burden. What do you think mm. people who don't suffer with chronic illnesses or just non-disabled people in general can do to get better at supporting people with chronic illnesses or just people with disabilities mm. in general? I think, like I was saying earlier, I think that the doing some research bit, because I, I've got friends that have known me for years that still don't really know what I have or what it means. And I can tell that from some of the comments they make sometimes that they don't really get it. So I think just taking some time to do your own research about it means a hell of a lot to people. Mm. I think asking questions as well, you know, obviously pick a good time to do it. Yeah. But asking questions shows that, you know, you are interested and you care and that you want to understand. I also think some people feel like they need to always offer solutions and fixes and remedies and suggestions. And I get sent so many things that are going to be cures, for instance. And I, I know it's coming from a good place, probably. But the reality is we've probably tried everything already yeah. or we know about it and have decided that's probably not going to work. Like I have this guy that regularly emails me saying I need to remove my microwave from my flat <laughs> because that's what's making me ill. <laughs> and I, I try to be polite, but uh, I don't think that's the issue. Yeah. It's like a genetic condition. So the microwave's not really going to... Um, it's going to ruin my dinners, but it's not going to <laughs> cure me, you know? Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. But um, what else? I really want to answer this question well because I, I'm, I'm thinking of all my other friends that are, you know, poorly with things and I want to do them justice. Um, I guess maybe it's quite, um, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but it's quite important for people friends of yours, your support network, to know that they don't have to provide the answers or a solution and to just be there and listen to you. Exactly. And I think actually showing support for charities and awareness building activities means a lot as well, because that shows that added level of we care about you and we care about what you're dealing with so that might be a nice thing as well as well like you said I'll go on no no you go well I was just gonna say I often for everything I care about say oh donate to some charities but sometimes if you can't afford to even just sharing it on your social media if you're not able to donate at least raises awareness of it so that other people will see it I guess it's a free version of donating yeah yeah in fact I wouldn't probably ask anyone to donate money because I know times are tough for everyone but like you say a a simple share can do can do a hell of a lot it can it can reach a whole new network of people so it's really a valid way to help um I, I I thought of a really big one because I found that guilt is such an overriding feeling for me mm. connected to being ill because I feel like you know I've not been able to be the friend that I want to be to so many people over the years you know whether it's missing a birthday party or leaving it early or not being as present as I want to be just because I'm in pain mm. or fatigued or you know lots of different things like that and I think just having a friend that says it's okay just do what you can don't panic or being the friend that says I'll drive to you don't don't tire yourself out you know commuting on the train mm. those sorts of things mean everything definitely yeah I feel like also we're at a stage in life and especially the past year or so which allows us time to reflect is that I don't think you should sort of waste time on friends that exhaust you or you know all this kind of stuff don't enrich you yeah exactly be friends with the people who Mm. me and Katie always have this we'll meet up we'll try and meet up with each other but on the day that we um are going to meet up with with each other neither of us will text (laughs) and we're just like okay right hopefully she won't say anything and Katie's thinking okay hopefully she won't and then we just won't meet up and we won't say anything about it because neither of us are annoyed neither of us really wants to meet up in the first place and I think that's my favorite type of friendship think surrounding yourself and getting closer to the people who are yeah like you've said before much more like-minded and supportive of that kind of thing is so important really is I think actually Kelly who I do the podcast with we've really got a relationship like that where we are so just completely ourselves and completely honest you know flaws and all all of the all of like we can show our ugly sides Mm. And, you know, because we've all got them. And I think with social media, we always feel like we have to put out that we're like this really, you know, the kindest person ever or the, you know, the most driven or the most whatever. But realistically, we've all got those toxic traits we need to work on. We've all got those things that rear their heads sometimes that we need to push back down. We're all, you know, multifaceted, like complicated, weird people. And it's so nice to have that friend in your life that you can just be everything to and they still love you and when you've got someone that's equally as open with you it's just a really well that's what a true connection is isn't it when you can reveal all all the the mess of you I guess judgment free zone I think it's good to show your ugly side because you can't ever unlearn or learn new stuff and become more open-minded if you don't be vulnerable with it I always tell Natalie my like if I have like jealous thoughts I always say oh okay this is from a place of jealousy or insecurity and Natalie's always like that's okay it's good that you acknowledge that Mm. and then we move on (laughs) maybe podcast friends are just the most supportive friends yeah because I think you you get into the nitty-gritty on a podcast don't you yeah yeah, you tend to go down so many little wormholes and tangents and then you probably have a little debrief after the podcast and chat about what you've exposed yeah. during the podcast. <laughs> we're nodding. Yes. We're yeah. nodding. 
Yeah, you know. Um, so I want to just quickly rewind a little bit. You mentioned about um, mm. how traveling for work or that kind of thing is such a setback to you financial wise, but also I guess like time, which, you know, in some cases yeah. does equal money. So I guess it's a question of what is it like experiencing EDS on a daily basis, but then also, you know, having to travel to gigs that you would interview at or festivals, being at festivals all day, you know, how do you manage mm. it? And um, has working from home been a bit of a blessing in disguise almost? Yeah, I'll, I'll tackle that bit first. So <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where y- you feel awful for saying it. And obviously this is an aside from obviously the awful stuff that's been happening. Um, just want to acknowledge that. It's But yeah, this lifestyle has actually, in terms of my health, suited my conditions a lot better. You know, being able to stay in my warm flat, take a nap when I need to, get up when it suits me, when I feel like I've rested enough. And I think for me, I've learned that those commutes into London were a huge thing that really set me back quite quite a lot and quite regularly. And so not having to do that has been really nice. And I feel like I feel quite nervous about things returning to how they were so I just really hope people are going to be more receptive moving forward to continuing to do things over zoom and you know remotely I hope they don't go well no you can come in now it's fine I I hope people see that from an accessibility point of view that this is beneficial to a lot of people in terms of the other stuff day to day so yeah it's hard it it is slightly different day to day but I have to have physio quite regularly now because my neck and back are quite bad and sometimes I can't get out of bed on my own there's been a few times over the last year where my partners had to help me in and out of bed and that's been a bit of a struggle and then lots of quite dramatic IBS scenarios which is always sexy (laughs) um and then obviously from a, a a superficial point of view when I have you know the rashes and the hives come up before you're doing an interview that obviously isn't great for your confidence either neither is thinking that you might poop your pants <laughs> during the interview that's not great either yeah. um bladder issues recurring kidney infections oh I can think of something that happened actually related to this at download festival before I was taken to the compound to interview um, Def Leppard and I wasn't aware this was going to happen, but they said, can you take your shoes off before you come into their porter cabin for the interview? And obviously you're, you're on a really tight schedule and, you know, at festival you've got really tight, tightly tied yeah. boots on. And I find putting shoes on really difficult and I had to really yank my DMs off really quickly to get into the port cabin to do this interview and I felt my hip fall out of the socket which is something that happens quite a lot with EDS and I just had to quickly pop it back in and crack on with the crack on um, (laughs) with the interview (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is like they were like is that was that you because they heard the crunch yeah Yeah, don't worry about it guys It's bad. <laughs> but yeah, you just have to crack on because you, again, you've got in your head that you don't want to be problematic. You mm. don't want to be a nuisance. And particularly as a woman, I think we've got this ingrained that we don't want to be, you know, difficult. And yeah. that, I think that's held me back loads over the years in terms of saying what I need to say and being fair to myself. I've let a lot of stuff go that I shouldn't have because, you know, you do worry that oh, she's just being a difficult woman thing is going to come up and be used against mm. you. And that's that's another thing the music industry needs to work on, you know, the discrepancy between how men and women are treated. That's, that's a huge thing, which obviously is a big thing for you yeah, to talk yeah, about. Exactly. That's yeah, a massive thing. But It will annoy you more when you know where that comes from. I've read quite a few books about women in business where there's words reserved for them such as bossy feisty difficult and it's because of um well from some books i've read it's from men or well let's not say men people expecting women to be submissive so when they say what they want it's difficult and bossy Mm. and it's so infuriating that that's why i mean that's just from like a couple of things but it would make sense that that's why. Yeah, definitely. There's There's been numerous times where I've had male bosses or male people within my kind of career world that have 
I, I remember they did some oh, it's so hard to talk about these stories without you know revealing what they're about but um, there's someone, <laughs> let's just say someone really let me down and they mucked up quite royally and I was really upset about it because I missed out on a huge opportunity because of it and I was told to calm down <laughs> oh, and you know when someone says calm down you know what happens the opposite happens and I I ended up doing that you know when you get the the wobbly chin and the the teary angry eyes and because that was I think that unleashed years of pent up you know me keeping quiet to be you know submissive um and it all came out at that point but the thing with calm down though it's not even necessarily gender specific it's just not helpful (laughs) even if it's a bloke telling another bloke to calm down it's just anyway I digress (laughs) (laughs) no but but it's just it's so annoying it's just as annoying when you've lost someone and something and someone goes where did you last have it and you're uh, like oh if I knew that but also like Katie I do think you bring up a good point is that sometimes people even if they're not you know in inverted commas calm maybe they have reason to be a little bit annoyed mm, like in your case Sophie it. I think yeah. you know if they dropped the ball like they shouldn't be dropping the ball yeah. so you have you know you're perfectly in your right to be annoyed about it yeah and then what's annoying was I I wasn't even being non-calm I was actually saying everything calmly but I think it came from the place of them knowing that they've mucked up and they wanted mm. this segment of conversation to be over and wrapped up because they were feeling bad but it's not the way to go about it but thinking about other incidences like this in terms of how women are treated differently there was a period of time where I'd quite regularly turn up to do interviews at venues and I'd hear the tour managers go oh the sluts are here or the band sluts are here and I'd be like I'm actually here to interview the band. Oh, oh my God. Nice to meet you kind of thing. And it's not that this should matter at all anyway, but, you know, I had just a a T-shirt on and jeans. I had, like, my camera equipment with me. Like, and and I think that started a period of time for me where I went too far trying to be professional to avoid that. I, I went down the route of, you know, sometimes when you interview bands, they do like want to keep in touch or, you know, they message you afterwards on social media or, you know, want to hang out and stuff like yeah. that. And for a period of time, intermittently, I refused to do that. And I kept myself professional to the point of silliness, really. Yeah just because I really wanted to avoid those labels or to be confused in that regard because I really wanted to be respected and like any woman should really. And yeah, I just went too far because there are lots of people that I met along the way that would have been really great friends. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for a period of time, I thought, no, got to keep it strictly professional, not going to do that, which is silly because everyone meets people through their work. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you've got these people saying these kinds of things and you know how they're talking about other people because you overhear conversations, it makes you think, God, to be taken seriously in this industry, I've got to work extra hard Mm. to be taken seriously. So, yeah, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but it just came to me. Oh, God, never apologise. I was just about to say the same thing. Never apologise on a podcast. Why why we've got you on. And this is quite a big question, Sophie, but we want to ask it because Mm. you've covered so many different topics such as like chronic illness, introversion, mental health. How do you think all of these things have kind of shaped you as someone who works in music and media? Hmm. Well, I think because I ended up doing interviews that weren't about, you know, promo and about album releases as much near the end of, it feels overstating it to call it a career, but I ended up doing the more mental health focused interviews. And that's obviously for a reason. Mm. And I feel like if you've gone through stuff yourself, when you have those conversations with other people, I feel like they can tell that your questions and your interest comes from a place of wanting to explore these things with them not from a gratuitous place you know Mm. where you just want to expose them or you know get those sound bites it comes from a place of really wanting to I don't know open these conversations Mm. and make them more normal and reduce stigma and all these sorts of things and I feel like having empathy and compassion because of things you've gone through yourself can only be a good thing in terms of connecting with other people so in a way I think going through certain things I have in my life and within the 
in within the industry, I think it has got me to a point where I really do want to explore the deeper parts of their personality. And actually, I don't know if this is making any sense. Have I answered the question at all? I feel like I'm just answering my own question. Um, it sounds like what you're saying is it shaped you to sort of ask questions based off of your own experience and also yeah, and what you actually... What you yeah, mean. authenticity. Yeah, that's a great key word there, Katie. Yeah, I think I just... I'm genuinely interested in other people's stories and their mind and how it works. And, and also I really, I really hope I don't, this is probably not what's happening, but I hope it's a mutually beneficial thing. Like I hope it can be cathartic or it can be enjoyable to explore these things or that people can get a sense of relief about talking about these things because I don't know, I think sometimes Oh, I don't know. Well, mental, I guess. <laughs> no, 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 what you're saying makes sense. Mental health is, you know, it's so difficult to open up anyway. And so you sort of want to be the person who they do feel comfortable, not even want to, but you at least want to give them a space where they do feel comfortable and can get things off of their chest, even if just for, you know, five, yeah. 10 minutes. I think that's really yeah, helpful. Yeah, I guess I want to be the facilitator. Yeah. You know, I give them that, yeah, like you say, create that safe environment where they feel they can if they want to. Mm. And I do really love that bonding feeling you get from doing those deeper interviews. I think like, for instance, when I interviewed Jason from Fever 333, after that, we felt really bonded and connected and we stayed in touch because I think when you talk about these deep things, of course, you're going to feel some kind of you've shared this experience, I Mm. guess, together. And you don't actually even have these kind of deep conversations with some of your best friends sometimes. I was talking to Matt Stocks, who's an interviewer, about this. He's stayed in touch with lots of people he's interviewed because they end up talking about, you know, all sorts of things, whether it's addiction, grief, personal tragedies, whatever it is. So, of course, it's going to, yeah going to bond you yeah definitely and when you find somebody who you do feel so comfortable because I don't think it happens that often personally when you do find somebody who you do feel comfortable enough with to share those things you don't really want to let them go no yeah that's true that is really true but I also think you know when you have chronic illness or if you've had a career that has been a slog and mine has been an absolute slog at times I think that resilience muscle gets a, a big old workout which obviously changes who you are as a person. I feel like I've had a lot of knocks, but I feel like the downtime between the knocks now is is a lot less than it used to be. So I, I just, I know that fails, I guess, are part of the process. And I know that sometimes the mistakes and the things that haven't panned out have actually put me on the right road and I think you only get that from being old like me or you know having experience you know you you need to go through those you know those crappy times in your career to to know what you want you really want out of your career rather than you know taking on other people's goals and aspirations and thinking that's what you want You, you really learn what what you really want definitely wrap up Sufi this is a question from my friend Annie who wants to know what Frank Iero was like (laughs) (laughs) oh no this is a lot I'm so glad she asked that because he has to be one of my favorite people to chat to oh he seems really nice he seems so nice doesn't he he's absolutely he just seems like one of the best people to be honest like I can't say a bad thing about him and I think you can tell a lot about a person from how they interact with people when you're not watching them if you know what I mean because I was watching them (laughs) Um, like when they're talking to the you know their PR or the manager or the tour manager or other people in the press tent and seeing how gentle and polite and friendly they are and you know he's done loads of interviews in his time but he always puts in the effort and makes you feel like he wants to be there yeah and I think that is a lovely thing for him to do and I love that he rinses people on Twitter though he's still got that edge (laughs) yeah like he can be mean but you know it comes from just him having a laugh it's not it does it's not he's not taking it seriously that's like a game for him yeah when he's doing his um Twitter rinsing but yeah (laughs) it's from a good place Annie he's lovely you'd love him and I'm sure he'd love you. Oh, he'd that's so nice. She's a queen. <laughs> oh, thanks, Sophie. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I hope that it has been not so tiring for you, hopefully. Fingers crossed, um, obviously. No, I've loved it. Is there anything you want to plug? So 
obviously your podcast tell us what the socials are for that but if there's any other anything else that you want to plug here is your moment Oh my goodness. Can I just say before we wrap up that I am recording this in the loft and obviously it's snowing today. So I might sound like I'm a nervous wreck, but I'm actually just shivering. (laughs) So if my my voice sounds like an old lady, I'm actually just, I've got a towel on my legs. I've got two pairs of trousers on. The dedication, I'm obsessed with You didn't sound nervous at all. But also we have had, we're in Bristol, we have had no next to no snow whatsoever oh so a little bit jealous I'm sorry about no, that no it's okay but you're warm and toasty <laughs> yes, bit, exactly. <laughs> yeah in a t-shirt oh. you'll be pleased to know yeah t-shirt and shorts oh my god <laughs> i'm shaking my fist at you right now you can't see it oh. um oh back to the plugging yes, sorry yeah be professional so play pause repeat is on instagram and it's play pause repeat underscore pod um, so do follow us there. My personal feed on Instagram is at Sophie Eggleton, as is my Twitter. Let me see. I've just uh, created the Twitter for the podcast and I keep getting it wrong. Bear with me. I'm going to get my mind in gear. <laughs> okay. It is at PPR underscore pod. Yes. Yes, I've done it. Nice. <laughs> oh amazing do so you um, do you want to finish our podcast by saying the end that's how we finish <laughs> so we yeah, we finish our podcast by just saying the end because we didn't know how to the finish end. it and katie was just like the end and i was like okay that's it then that's how we end every podcast now i might have to steal that because i am horrendous at wrapping up interviews and podcasts so yeah quality idea okay okay the end oh wow that was a really good one. that might have been our best of the end yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that was really dramatic <laughs> loved that